Hello, word nerds. Welcome to another episode of The Dictionary. This is, of course, if you don't know already, this is the podcast where I, Spencer, read short sections of the dictionary and I comment on them, and it's a whole lot of fun. Um, And of course, as you may have seen in the title, this is a very special episode because we have a guest. Again, it's not very common, but it does happen. Um, We have today Sarah, and I think I'm going to pronounce it correctly, McAnulty. Did I get it right? Yes, that's exactly right. Excellent. So um, I learned about Sarah from listening to the podcast called Ologies, which I have mentioned many times on this show because it is my favorite podcast. Uh, It's better than mine. And I said, I, you know, I need to have experts on my show to talk about certain things. I have years and years to go, so I might as well start gathering them now. And this worked out perfectly because Sarah... Mostly, as I, I'll let you give your whole bio, but as far as I know, she is a squid expert, but also knows quite a lot about cuttlefish. And I was getting very, very close to cuttlefish. So I said, hey, I need an expert. So Sarah, can you please tell the people who you are, what you do, and all of the awesome things about you? Absolutely. So hi, I'm Sarah McNulty. I am absolutely a squid expert. I also um, am the executive director of a nonprofit called Skype a Scientist. And we match up scientists with anybody who wants to talk to a scientist. That could be a classroom. It could be a scout troop. It could be a library, an artist, a journalist, anybody who needs a scientist in their life to have a conversation. We are here to help them out with that. We also run trivia nights every Thursday. So right after we finished recording this podcast, I'll start a trivia night. And um, we do public art. We do all kinds of stuff to try to connect people with science in creative ways. Um, And of course, I just love squid more than anything. And so any experience uh, that I get talking uh, about squid with people, I take it. That is awesome. And of course, uh, you know, I, I believe I heard that uh, you, you have an amazing car that of the photo went viral, that your car is covered in, you know, Skype a scientist. If you want to know anything about squids, ask a question, text. What, what's the what's the is their phone number? Yes, that is the squid mobile. And uh, yeah. on the back windshield, it says, uh, want a squid fact? Text squid to one eight three three psi text, which translates to one eight three three seven two four eight three nine eight. Awesome. And yeah, I will put all of her information in the show notes. So I strongly recommend that you go check out all of her social media, Skype a scientist and all that. And everybody needs to learn more about squid. So, but oh yeah, to, of course. Uh, but today, uh, in the middle of this episode is the best word in this episode. We're going to talk about cuttlefish because that's the thing that she knows about in this group of words. And maybe maybe she knows a little bit about some of these other ones too. Um, so we are going to get into it with our first word, which is cutthroat trout. Uh, yes, it's, okay, let's see what this is. It is a noun from circa 1891. It is a large spotted trout, chiefly of northwestern North America, that has reddish streaks on the intugament of the lower jaw, and it is called also just cutthroat. So I got to imagine that with these reddish streaks, it looks like it's uh, bleeding, like it had its throat had been cut. So that's why they call it a cutthroat trout. And the species name, I will try to say this, it is Oncorinchus or Oncorinchus. Clarkie, and there's another one, Salmo Clarkie, 
you probably have a lot more experience with these uh, species or scientific names. Did I do okay? I'll, I'm just looking for okay. I mean, okay is, uh, I can definitely give you the okay on that. Definitely <laughs> did okay. I admittedly do not know a lot about freshwater fish in general. Um, they often, unless it's like very obvious, I have no idea what it is. Uh, marine fish, I do a little bit better. And then squid, obviously, I know exactly what I'm talking about. But the freshwater fish tend to elude me. So um, this is admittedly the first time I'm hearing about a cutthroat trout. Uh, sounds pretty cool, though. Yeah, I wa- uh, I'll probably post a picture of one of these on Instagram because I want to see what this looks like. Also, Twitter. Um, yeah, I'm not a I'm not a fish guy. I don't go fishing, nothing like that. So um, I find this uh, just I just want to see what it looks like. I'm looking at one right now, and it totally does look like like very red right around the gill area so that checks out that is very cool um so i uh, i have been doing little sound effects in between each word just to sort of designate where the uh you know the next word is going to start do you have any suggestions of a sound effect that we should do maybe um a bubbles or a splash okay i'll try i'll try some bubbles let's say just something stupid like sounds great Perfect. Okay. So the next word is cut time. This is two words, noun from 1951, and it is duple or quadruple time with the beat represented by a half note. And this is in music. Uh, I can sort of, I can sort of think about it in my head. I've, I have a little, little bit of experience. Um, I think if a, if a song is going one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, but then you cut it in half, one, two, three, four, that would be cut time. That's probably not the best description. What's your uh, musical knowledge like? Oh boy, not very good. I played <laughs> guitar for a very, very long time, and then I broke my hand twice playing water polo in a year, and that was the end of that. Uh, and even then I didn't, I never really learned how to use, like read music. So I'm one of the worst musicians I've ever met. Um, but, uh, what do you, I love karaoke. Does that count? That totally counts. Yeah. I think right. cut time is used a lot in karaoke. I think karaoke is a lot of fun too. <laughs> so maybe someday there will be some karaoke in our future. Beautiful. Uh, but yeah, cut time, you know, it's a half note. It's slower. That's all you need to know. Moving on to the first form of the word Cutting, C-U-T-T-I-N-G, noun from the 14th century, number one, something cut or cut off or out as 1A, a plant section originating from stem, leaf, or root and capable of developing into a new plant. 1B, the synonym is just harvest. Yeah, when you go harvest the things, you're going to cut them. Got to go do some cuttings. Number two, something made by cutting, especially the number four definition for the word record. And you've, you've heard people say cut a record. I got to go cut a record. So I think that's what that one is. Um, I don't know. Do you, I, I don't really know plants. Uh, but yeah, if you cut off a piece of plant, it's uh, going to be a cutting. Do you, do you plant? I do. I, it, well, not really in the backyard. My backyard is, uh, I live, live in Philadelphia. It's a concrete slab. So we don't really yeah. have much in the way of plants outside of like little pots going on back there. But in my office, my office is covered in house plants, and they're mostly like the very hardy, uh, easy to keep alive vine type. Mm-hmm. And I'm always making cuttings of those and planting them in new pots. Um, so yeah, that is a common 
uh, thread through my life. Nice. Yeah, I've heard about those plants. You just cut a little piece off and you can replant it and it grows. I it just, just think grows. that's amazing. Yeah, it's like shockingly easy. It'll just do, do it. Do you just do you give those away to other people? I so my I have a chameleon in my office. His name is Mark, and Mark really <laughs> likes to eat the species of plants that I have. Um and so Mark will eat them and then I just keep planting more and he keeps eating them and uh it's a beautiful kind of homeostasis of plants. Yeah, that's the part. That's what you want for an environment. It's just self-sustaining, like those little exactly. uh, the bottles that everything it needs is, is right in there. Yep, that's uh, my office for sure. I gotta know the name Mark for a chameleon. Where did that come from? I agonized over naming this chameleon. I and it was it was tough because my best friend at the time was dating this guy named Mark, and I felt like I shouldn't name it name my chameleon Mark because I didn't have complete faith um, that that man mark would be staying around for a very long time yeah. um but the chameleon was just giving me like he was just giving me mark vibes like i felt like he was very obviously a mark and i was like you know what i just have to and i tried calling him other things I, he was nameless for like two weeks and then i was on a zoom call with a bunch of people and they were like oh what's that i was like oh it's my chameleon what's his name and i was like uh mark and i was like well shit that's that's his name now his name is mark there's nothing there's nothing i can do about it he just happens to be in the market. It's out well, of my between, hands. Between the vibes and you were put under pressure on the Zoom call, it's just that's, that's it's what just, happened. That's just how it happened. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. We're going to move on to the next word. It is the second form of cutting. Adjective from the 15th century, one. Given to or designed for cutting, especially the synonyms sharp and edged. Number two. Marked by sharp, piercing cold, as in cutting winds. You probably get those in, in Philadelphia. I definitely get those in Chicago, those cutting winds. Yes, harkens back to my time living in New England. Oh, even Cut worse, probably. Yeah, for sure. Uh, number three, inclined or likely to wound the feelings of others, especially because of a ruthless, <laughs> a ruthless incisive uh no what is that word incisiveness no incisiveness that's it goes over to the second line so it's a little hard to read but that is not a word i'm familiar with anyway we have an example a cutting remark and i'm sure we have all experienced a cutting remark at some point i spend uh, too much time on twitter so that's just oh, cutting remarks all day long on twitter <laughs> you can't avoid them just hurting my feelings for no reason every day <laughs> You have to grow such a thick skin to be on any sort of public thing like this, YouTube, Twitter, whatever it is. Yes. Uh, number four, the synonyms are intense and piercing, as in a cutting pain. And cuttingly is an adverb. Anything hmm. else about cutting the adjective? I think I'm fresh out of cutting associated things. Yeah. It's like I, I can only associate a word in my life so much, and I think they, they got it all there. So moving on, we have cutting board, two words, noun from 1639. I got to believe that almost everybody has experiences with a cutting board. It is a board on which something as food or cloth is placed for cutting. <laughs> I, I love these definitions. It's, it's just exactly what it is. And I, that is what I it don't is. Know. Yeah. Um, 
often, you know, um, have to cut up veggies, whatever it is. It's it's cutting boards get used a lot in these households, uh, this household. What about you? Oh, all the time. I'm yeah. using cutting boards every day around here. Um, do you have to cut up things for Mark the Chameleon? No, Mark the Chameleon mostly eats um, like roaches and mealworms who he likes to eat fully alive. So no. no need to cut those. And then he usually eats the plants when they're still alive, too. So he's a real predator over there, that Mark. Uh, not yeah. really any uh, cut food for him. Your job is very easy when it comes to feeding him. It's true. He really takes care of himself. I should have had you on the episode for Chameleon. Too late. Oh, my God. Alas. Um, yeah, cutting board. I don't know. We just have those like cheap plastic ones. I should probably get like a nice wood one, but I don't know. I have like very cheap bamboo-ish ones that work just fine, but are all warped. They've been through hell. Oh, um, yeah. But like, you know, I, I don't want to buy a new one because I have one and it's, right. it works. So it's fine by me. It's not broke. Don't fix it. Exactly. That's a very bad bubble. <laughs> next, next we have cutting edge. Two words, noun from 1804. One, a sharp effect or quality. Two, the foremost part or place. And the synonym is vanguard. Cutting edge with a hyphen is an adjective. So, um, yeah, I think typically we think of this as being, at least the way I think of it, is the thing that's that's in the front. Um, it's the, the, the uh, like, technology. The Te- bleeding the, edge the cutting... of technology, yeah. Yeah, bleeding edge is the other way to say that. Um, what is brand new? And when it comes to that and technology, I feel like I just can't keep up. It's always changing. We, we, are, um, we are evolving so quickly as a human species, especially when it comes to technology, that it's just there's so much happening every day. I just feel left behind. Oh, that's a that's a, a somewhat sad way of thinking of it, though I can certainly uh, <laughs> understand that feeling. Um, yeah, it's hard to that's keep up. I, is what I'm I saying. I spend too much time on social media because I'm trying to keep up with what's going on at all times on all fronts, and it's very hard. It is. It is. I, I have a couple news podcasts. I scroll Twitter a little bit, not as much as. Well, I was going to say not as much as I should, but I think no, a lot of people the, would. The, if you don't do it at all, that's as much as you should because yeah. uh, it's not good for your brain. But mm. I try and just create stuff like this in my free time, which of course is much better than doom scrolling Twitter. For sure. Uh, okay. Next is cutting horse. I hope mm. no horses are being cut here. This what's what is this? It is two words, noun from 1881. It is an agile saddle horse trained to separate individual animals from a cattle herd. Uh oh, okay. So, you know, uh cowboys are using this when they're dealing with their cows and it sounds like this horse knows how to cut a cow from the herd it sounds like or certain ones is that does that make sense to you sure i would have always thought you'd want to keep all your cows together but yeah you know i just don't know the first thing about being a farmhand so uh what do i know uh the same that i know nothing yeah Yeah. uh yeah i don't know i mean maybe if a horse uh no uh, if a cow is injured or something maybe they want to separate it uh there's got to be reasons but I don't know about everything I know from 
that is watching the power of the dog recently. Yeah. Um, yep. That's a cutting horse. Cool. Next. We have cutting room. Oh man, that bubble sound. It's reminding me of finding Nemo when oh my there, God, yeah. there's that one fish that's just all crazy about bubbles. Uh-huh. Uh, okay. We have cutting room. Two words. Noun from 1918. It is a room where film or videotape is edited and it is often used attributively in the phrase cutting room floor to describe something removed or discarded in or as if in editing a film. Um, I actually do video editing as my day job. Um, I learned a little bit on film so that this is we're talking more about specifically film because you literally would cut something out and put it on the floor or in a bin. Um, but of course, as we've gotten to digital, that's not happen- happening anymore. Um, but yeah, now we just use it to say something has been left discarded. It's on the cutting room floor. And uh, I I have memories of cutting this film out and like, am I going to need it? Am I, I don't want to throw it out. What do I do with it? But, you know, for, for decades, that's what people were doing. Uh, do you have any experience with editing or just this phrase cutting room floor? I've definitely used and heard the phrase cutting room floor in my life, but I, um, thankfully I've never had to edit film, like physical film just on like, you know, digital, thankfully, but that sounds stressful. Also, what if like, I don't know, I spilled my coffee on it. That sounds so, so scary. Yeah. I just always think about the, the scene in Inglorious Bastards where they light the, whole theater on fire with that Mm. super flammable film oh yes Mm. (laughs) you got to keep all the flames away from the film that old celluloid and yeah they must have had rules in edit uh at like edit rooms to like no liquids at all right please keep it away um yeah i'm glad that i got a little little experience editing on film in college uh but i'm glad that that was not (laughs) what i had to do for my whole career for sure yeah uh, all right. Next, we have Cuddle Bone. So this is actually, you know, this is a little bit of a preamble into our real, real important word. So this, this is where Sarah's expertise comes into play. Cuddle Bone, one word, noun from 1547. Um, and if people don't know, I will quickly spell it. C-U-T-T-L-E-B-O-N-E. This is the shell of a cuttlefish that is sometimes used for polishing powder or for supplying cage birds with lime and salts. That's right. Did the dictionary get it right? I mean, that's not incorrect, but that's not what the cuttlefish is using it for. Like all we mentioned in this definition is what humans use cuttle bones for and that it comes from a cuttlefish, but cuttle bones are actually incredibly cool because they, so they're made of aragonite, which is like a calcium um, bicarbonate, uh, a version of that. Um, and they're inside the animal. So they're like, it, it, it serves as the kind of back structure of the animal. And it's also a buoyancy device. And 
cuttlefish can control what the buoyancy of the cuttle bone is, and they do gas exchange across their blood so that they can either make themselves float up a little bit more or sink a little bit more. Um, but really what they want to do is maintain what's called neutral buoyancy so that they neither float nor sink depending on where they are in the water. So if they're going into deeper water, they're going to do some gas exchange across that cuddle bone to make it neutrally buoyant for that depth. Um, and also cuddle bones are really cool to look at because as the animal gets bigger, they're adding layers of it. Kind of like imagine if you cut a tree in half and you see the tree rings, yeah. it looks just like that, but in internal shell type thing. They're really, really cool. And just the fact that they're fed to birds is like so such a small part of their cool factor. Yeah. Um, that's exactly what I was thinking. I was like, oh, yeah, okay, I guess that's how humans have experience with these things, but that's so such a small part of what this thing is. Um, the fact that animals, you know, all animals are different. They all have their own biology. And so the, in this one example, the fact that they can consciously change the gas in their bloodstream to change their buoyancy just blows my mind whenever I hear things about that like that um, that animals can do these things that to a human just sounds like a superpower yeah I wonder I think it's more like the way our heart rate changes when we need more blood flow I don't know sure. if it's like they're deciding consciously yeah. to change there are things that cuttlefish do consciously like I think change um, their skin color mm. um, that's more of a conscious decision um, in some circumstances. But the gas exchange, I think, is just like one of these really cool things that their body just like does. Just right. like your eye pupil opens and closes with light changes, like wild. Yeah, it just thinks like, I just need to do this thing right now. And it just mm -hmm. happens. It just does it, yeah. Yeah. Biology also is just crazy insane. Um, I thought there was something else I was good, but yeah. Okay. Oh, and how do... Not that this is the most fun topic, but how do they get these cuddle bones for uh, cage birds? It, are, I hope they're not harvesting cuttlefish. They are, but people are usually eating the cuttlefish too. So it's not like they're pulling the cuttle bone out and then just like chucking the cuttlefish yeah, back into the sense. ocean. Um, it's like a use every part of the animal type situation. Um, but yeah, cuttlefish are really commonly eaten in lots and lots of places all over the world. We don't eat it in the United States so much because no cuttlefish live here. So mm. if cuttlefish lived in North America, we'd probably be eating a lot more cuttlefish than we currently do. Yeah, that makes sense. I won't be eating any, but I understand some people will. Mm -hmm. Well, we have to get to our next word. That's the sound of the gas in the bloodstream going into the cuddle bone. No, that probably doesn't make any sounds. So we have cuttlefish, noun from circa 1828. Any of various marine cephalopod mollusks having eight short arms and two usually longer tentacles and differing from the related squid in having a calcified internal shell, which of course we were just talking about that. Real quick, I will say that the order name is, I hope I say it correctly, Sepioidea, Se uh, maybe? Sepioidea. And, say that again? Sepioidea. And then also the genus is Sepia, which looks like, I assume it's Sepia and not Sepia, right? So sepia, the ink, comes from cuttlefish. So it's totally oh. the same thing. Yeah. Oh, wow. See, this is why I have experts on this show. Exactly, yeah. Um, 
this is from Middle English kotul, C-O-T-U-L, and then also just the English word fish. Um, and do you have any other etymology information for this other than that? Well, first of all, I can't believe that it says that this word came about in 1824. Like, that's late. Like, what the heck were we calling cuttlefish before 1824? Right. <laughs> that's weird to think about. 1824 is not that long ago, all things considered. Um, really makes me wonder. I don't know what we were calling because cuttlefish live around England. So it would be in English speaking places. So hmm. I think with that, I think before 1828, it was probably using that middle English word kotul or however they pronounce it. Yeah, uh -huh. I have, I know, have no knowledge about middle English, but yeah, I feel like bef before that, Maybe there was something else. I don't know. Um, I mean, maybe but, they just uh, called them squid or something. That's possible because they... Because in, in German, um, generally speaking, squid and cuttlefish are just called tintin fish, like tint, like uh, oh. inky sort of. So tintin fish. Um, and so there's not really... Like there's a word for octopus, kraken, kraka, <laughs> and then um, a word for cuttlefish and squid, tintin fish. And I don't really, I, I like tried to find a translation for cuttlefish and I really couldn't find one when I was living in Germany. So um, mm. yeah, but tintin fish also covers the like cephalopods in general. That's also Kopffusser. So uh, Kopf means head, Fusser means foot. So it's just like cephalopod, head, foot, same, same thing, thing yeah. just German. Yeah. So the Kopffusser are the cephalopods. Tintinfish are, I don't know why we're talking in German, but I have this knowledge. I might as well share it with you. This is um, where this podcast goes. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the Tintinfish are the the cuttlefish and squid, and then Kraka are the octopuses, Auf Deutsch. Germans need to get on having uh, a, a very specific word for cuttlefish. That's my opinion. Um, yes. What what else do you want to tell us about cuttlefish since we're since we're here? There's I mean, cuttlefish I could talk about, honestly, for an entire hour. They're so, so cool. What's cool about cuttlefish um, is that they're pretty easy to find um, in, in the wild when you're not in North America or South America because yeah. they live pretty uh, in pretty shallow water. They live relatively close uh, to the coasts, And so they hang out where humans are also hanging out. They can change color as quickly as they can think about it because the color changing structures in their skin um, are called chromatophores and they are um, each directly linked to the brain. So they can change as quickly as the animal can think about it. They also have the ability to change their texture with basically like extreme goosebumps, those goosebumps called uh, papillae. Um, and so they're like little muscles that can change their texture like pretty extremely, particularly in a couple species, including the giant Australian cuttlefish, which are, the, as the name implies, the biggest cuttlefish that there is, and of course live in Australia. Um, these cuttlefish are incredibly brightly colored. They're blue and purple and black and pink and white. They're amazing. Um, they're massive. They change color incredibly quickly. Um, and they have the papillae right behind their eyes that can really quickly, like almost look like eyebrows, like sticking up really fast. And it's very cool to watch. Um, and they also do this, this thing called passing cloud. So um, 
as I said, they they can change color as quickly as they can think about it. And they do all sorts of wacky things with that ability. They um, signal what they what their intentions are with uh, their fellow cuttlefish. They can use it, of course, for camouflage, but they can also use it to just like confuse the heck out of prey. And uh, passing cloud is often used for this. So they will move black bars of color across their body and they end up looking a bit like a hypnotist's wheel. It looks really freaky and visually overwhelming. Um, and they often hold their arms out to either side of their head um, and sort of approach their prey. And uh, the scale difference is imagine like a VW bus sized thing floating above your head, approaching you in a hypnotist wheel. Like you'd be like, what is happening? And then next thing you know, you'd be eaten by a cuttlefish. So um, they're just really amazing animals. And uh, I recommend everybody go on YouTube and just lose an hour uh, watching cuttlefish videos. Yeah, that sounds pretty easy to do. Uh, the the uh, giant Australian cuttlefish, those are as big as a VW bus? No, no, no. Uh, relative a, size a to a human. Relative size Got to it. a human. So uh, if we were crab sized, yeah. they would be VW bus size. They are like a meter long. So nowhere near VW bus size, but the crabs they're eating are much smaller than us. Yeah, but still a meter, that's, that's a very large... That's a cuttlefish. big animal. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, we have a picture here of a cuttlefish. Um, would you like to just briefly sort of visually describe what it looks like? Sure. Imagine like a rugby ball with a bed skirt around the outside <laughs> um, with a face and some arms. So they've got a cute little face with big goobery eyes that have w-shaped pupils and then they have cool. eight arms sticking out of that big face their eyes are very expressive um and big and cute and then behind that face with the arms out the front they have effectively their torso which is th what we call their mantle um that's the rugby ball portion of their body um it's kind of pointed toward the back um, and they have a fin that goes all the way around their bodies. There are really two fins that are separated in the back by one little separation point, but it pretty much looks like one big fin all the way around. And they undulate that fin for like fine scale movements um, in smaller areas. And then they use jet propulsion um, to really jet quicker. And jet propulsion is where they take a really, really deep breath in into their torso and then close off their like breathing in uh, areas and then squirt all of that water out of a very small funnel. Um, and that's how they kind of generate that force to shoot themselves backward very quickly. Um, so that's what a cuttlefish looks like. When they do this jet propulsion, is the, the little hole that it's coming out or the funnel, is it in the back? So they're shooting it's forward? right under their chin basically so it's like okay. right under their eyes um under their face under their head so it shoots them backwards basically exactly it shoots them backwards for sure yeah 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 i feel like i've seen squid do that as well right mm -hmm, for yeah. sure yep okay. and octopuses do the exact same thing mm. um we obviously have to post uh pictures of cuttlefish on social media and uh like she said go out maybe find some youtube links which i will put in the show notes uh, but these sound like really fascinating animals. Uh, I've, I really have an appreciation for the cephalopods, the animals that can camouflage and change their shape and are also incredibly smart. Uh, mm -hmm. it just, it just 
blows my mind that these things exist in the first place. And I, I think it's so cool to learn about them. Yes, they're the best. Well, um, obviously, you know, <laughs> you could talk about that for hours and I could ask you questions about them for hours. Um, and we will, I think, have to have you back for the squid episode whenever I get to that in yes. years from now. Um, but we, we have a handful of more words for this episode, we, which we will get to. And I know that you have a trivia thing to get to. So we will, I'll make, we'll make it. Sounds good. Our next word. It is Cuddy Sark. Two words, noun from 1779. This is chiefly Scottish. And is this a, an alcohol, a whiskey? Do you know? I feel like I've heard it. I was thinking it was a ship. I What is it? Um, I think that it also is reminding me um, of a rap artist. <laughs> Cuddy, no, Cuddy Sark, C-U-T-T-Y-S-A-R-K is a ship. It is a ship. It's a British clipper ship. Okay, I can't believe I got that right. You know what? It might also be like a rum or something named after the ship. That probably is ringing a bell. That makes sure. sense. And they probably have a picture of the ship on the label. Oh my God, you're right. It's scotch. And there is a picture of a Cuddy Sark ship on the label. Yep. See, we're all we were right both right. Situation. Yep. We yep, know yep. what we're talking about. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but that's not what the dictionary says. It says what? it is a short garment especially a woman's short undergarment. Hmm. Uh, and Cuddy... Dubious. Yeah. Um, in English dialect, Cuddy means short. Uh, so that's what that is. I don't know what sort of undergarment we're talking about. I could theorize. I'm not going to. But now we know <laughs> that it is uh, a short undergarment. It is a ship. It is a scotch. And maybe other things. All of the above. Yeah. Uh, you need the context. Know what we're talking about. All right. Next, we have Cuddy Stool. Two words. Noun from 1820. Again, chiefly Scottish. And again, Cuddy means short in this context because, number one, it is a low stool. That one is chiefly Scottish. Number two, though, is not chiefly Scottish. Don't worry. We'll get there. It is a seat in a Scottish church where offenders formerly sat for public rebuke. I don't know why it didn't say it is chiefly Scottish because it sounds like it is definitely Scottish. So it's probably just a low stool that they sat on where people could <laughs> yell at them because they did something offensive. Wow. In a church, no less. Yikes. Well, if it's anything like my experience with Catholicism, guilt should definitely be involved with religion. So that checks out. Absolutely. You, f you feel guilty. People are going to make you feel guilty while you're sitting on the cuddy stool. Maybe you're wearing a cuddy sark at the same time. There you go. I don't even know what happened to the sound effect. <laughs> we have cut up. C-U-T-U-P. This is one word. Noun from 1843. It is a person who clowns or acts boisterously. Uh, were you ever the, a cut up in school or just with your friends or family? Um, in some circumstances, not in grade school, but I always admired the cut ups of the classroom in grade school. Um, now I feel like uh, the cut up of science. I don't know. <laughs> I think that's a good a good position to be in. Um, I think so. Yeah. 
same for me. I kind of always wanted to be the cut up. I like telling jokes and making people laugh, but I was always too shy to be that person really. Uh, so yeah, I kind of looked up to them. Um, and I, I have to imagine that they're called a cut up because I think that's maybe a phrase for laughing or yeah. you make people cut up. Um, but maybe our next word uh, will give us a little bit more information. It is cut up again, but this one is two words. So it is a verb from uh, 1580. We are starting with transitive. 1A, to cut into parts or pieces. And you might use a cutting board for that. 1B, to injure or damage by or as if by cutting. And the synonym is, uh, two synonyms, gash and slash. Oh boy. Uh, I don't like those. Because that mm-hmm. makes me think I have a cut on my arm or something. No, thank you. Number two, to subject to hostile criticism. And the synonym is censure. Uh, now we have intransitive, two of those. Number one, to undergo being cut up. Ooh, again, nope, don't like that. <laughs> Unless it's like cut up, like uh, made fun of in a pleasant uh like friend situation right um that will be an acceptable cut up made fun of or laughing or something that i approve of number yeah. two to behave in a comic boisterous or unruly manner and the synonym is clown unruly did they need to put that in there i guess so <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I, I it's it's fun it's just fun to clown around and be goofy which i hope you all realize I am a fan of that from this podcast. Yes. Bloop. Next word is cut water. And this is one word. Noun from 1644. The forepart of a ship's stem. Do you know the parts of a ship? You know, I don't know the parts of a ship. I know some parts of some ships, but I don't know the parts of like old timey ships for yeah. sure. Um, but yeah. I mean, ships cut through water. That's a thing. So uh, that makes sense to me. Yeah, that 100% makes sense. You need that sort of sharp angle, sharp-ish angle to cut through the water. And uh, I have to also imagine that the Cuddy Sark, this was related to that in some way, the, the ship, uh, why it's called a Cuddy Sark. Maybe I'll do some more uh, research and put it in the show notes about why they called that ship the Cuddy Sark. But I have to imagine it's something about cutting through water. I bet. I have to ask... In, uh, in, in, in the Ologies episode that you were on, which just replayed a few days, uh, like a week before we're recording this, um, Allie mentioned your pronunciation of the word water. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what, what, what were your thoughts when she mentioned that? <laughs> I mean, I've gotten made fun of for the way I pronounce water for a very long time. I grew up in Philadelphia. I live in Philadelphia now. Um, but I spent, you know, 12 years outside of Philadelphia uh, in, yeah. in undergrad and then grad school. And those little monsters in Connecticut that I taught introductory bio to, like the first lab that I, I took them through was like learning how to use this device called a spectrophotometer where like, you know, you put stuff, you put like liquid in tubes and you put the tube in the machine and then it reads whatever the like the amount of light that's absorbed by the liquid um which is useful for a lot of lab things but for that lab was actually pretty uh, you know pretty boring but anyway i had to say water like i don't know 20 times in the introductory lecture and they couldn't handle it like every year they'd be like 
where are you from? It's like, obviously, I'm from Philadelphia. Right. The best, greatest city in the world. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. But, you know, people from all over the place, they say words differently. It's it's fun to sort of, you know, make fun of it sometimes or comment on it. But, you know. Yeah. It doesn't just... really bother me. I've gotten very used to it. You know, you can make fun of the way I say water as many times as you like. I don't. I don't care. Uh, but I really did like Allie's, uh, like, breakdown of, like, of Philadelphia English. I didn't really know a lot of that. So I learned <laughs> about my own accent listening to that podcast. Yeah. That's one of the greatest things. She just digs into, she gets, she researches, she gets into the information just because she's interested. And of course, everybody else is too, or whether they like it or not. Yeah. Um, all right. Next word. We have cut work. One word, noun from the 15th century, embroidery, usually on linen, in which a design is outlined in buttonhole stitch and the enclosed material cut away. I, I don't do anything with fabrics or yarns. Do you have experience? I embroider in the winter when there are no bugs outside for me to go find. Um, but I don't know. Fabric, you know, I don't really do a lot with. But I put thread through fabric in a little uh, bamboo circle a lot. There you go. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it makes sense. The name, it's cut work. You're working on something and then you cut away the excess material. So it's, uh, it's not the most clever name, but it is very descriptive, which I like. That's right. All right. We have one more for this episode. It is cut worm. Again, one word. Yeah, C-U-T-W-O-R-M. Noun from 1816. I mean, before I even read the definition, I have to say, you know, you hear that you could cut a worm in two and it's going to regrow and then you're going to have two worms. Whether or not this is related to that, I don't know, but I hope it is. Well, here we go. We'll find out. Any of various smooth-bodied, chiefly nocturnal, noctuid moth caterpillars, which often feed on young plant stems near ground level. So near ground level, that makes sense. People are going to call them a worm. Uh, it doesn't say anything about why it's called cut worm, though. So maybe we need to post a picture of this. So maybe there's like lines in it that look like it's been cut. Do you think uh, that it leaves marks on the leaves that look like what it would look like if you cut fabric? That would make sense. Or just make little lines like, you know, as they're eating the leaf, maybe they look like cut lines. Yeah. Uh, so many possibilities. Um, they're nocturnal. Noctuid, I think, I mean, it's, it seems a little redundant to put nocturnal and noctuid in here, but I don't know enough about the term noctuid, but I'm sure there's a reason. I've never even heard that word before. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the word diurnal, which is, I think it just, I think we're diurnal. I think, you know, sleep in the we day. Are. Yeah. But yeah, those weird, there's those weird words. I come across them all the time. I'm like, I don't know what this is yet. Hmm. Um. Feed on young plant stems. Yeah, they probably little cut lines in there. Um, that's it. There is no etymology for that one. So I don't know if I told you this, but we now have to pick a word of the episode. And by we, I mean you. So I will quickly just reread them. I think I know what you're probably going to pick. but I, we I have, have a sense of which one I'll pick, yeah. Cutthroat trout, cut time, cutting, cutting, cutting board, cutting edge, Cutting horse, cutting room, cuddle bone, cuddle fish, cuddle sark, cutty sark, cutty stool, cut up, cut up, 
cut water, cut work, and cut worm. We got to go with cuttlefish. Come on. Of course we do. Cuttlefish are the best. I, you know, I almost picked cuttlebone, but at the end of the day, I just couldn't do it because cuttlefish are so cool and have cuttlebones in them. Exactly. Cuddle, cuddlebone is encompassed literally in the cuttlefish. Uh, exactly. you're, a, you're a fan of karaoke. Would you like to sing a two-second song about cuttlefish? Oh, I better not, but thank you so much for offering. <laughs> no problem. I'll, I'll just sing, cuttlefish are really cool. Let's go learn about cuttlefish. And Beautiful. that's the song. That's I just put a, put a song at the end somewhere or sometimes in the middle. Um, Great. Uh, this has been amazing to talk to you. I learned a lot. Um, I always love getting this dialogue with somebody else on these episodes. I think it's so much more interesting. Uh, it just adds another level to this. So I really appreciate it. Um, would you like to shout out some of your your plugs, social media, anything like that? Absolutely. You can follow me on all social media platforms that I'm aware of at Sarah Mac Attack. That's S-A-R-A-H-M-A-C-K attack. Um, and I run a program called Skype a Scientist. You can get matched with a scientist for free for you, your family, um, your whatever club you happen to be in um, for free. Um, that's skypeascientist.com. Um, you can feel free to text the Squid Facts hotline, which is also totally free at one eight three three 833 There are cuttlefish facts in the Squid Facts hotline as well. So enjoy those. Um, that's really it. I'm also teaching a class on um, animal reproduction in June. Um, there'll be four weeks all about weird things animals do when they're mating. Um, you can check that out through Atlas Obscura courses. Those are all of the things that I do. That's very cool. I will say that this episode is airing on June 18th, so we might be a little bit late there, but I that will... will be late. But I will teach I... a class on squid in September of 2022. Oh. So if you want to awesome. learn a lot about cuttlefish, we do a whole week on cuttlefish. Um, and that'll be in yeah September of 2022. And you said that's, is that also four weeks? Uh, that'll be five weeks. Oh. I know even more about cephalopods <laughs> than I do about animal reproduction. Um, yeah. Also, also through Atlas Obscura. Very cool. And yeah, I'll uh, get those links from you and I'll put those in the show notes as well. So people can easily find that stuff. Perfect. Sarah, thank you so much. Um, and course. until next time, this is Spencer and sometimes somebody else dispensing information. Goodbye. <laughs>